Hey gang, this is an I Read Comic Books podcast minisode. Maybe you'll be able to tell this is a bit of an older episode. It was recorded right around the time we did our Jack Kirby episode. And so inspired by Jack Kirby, the man, the myth, the legend, Paul and Nick sat down to discuss OMAC, the original run as well as the new 52 run. So without any further ado, on to the episode. Well, it's 2017, and if you're a comic book fan who knows your comic book history and you're paying attention, you know that this year marks the 100th anniversary or the 100th year of Jack Kirby. He was born in August of 1917, and it's been something that obviously comic book publishers and the San Diego Comic Con and the Eisners have all recognized this year, and we actually did an episode that's all about Kirby earlier. But we figured, um, why not talk about Kirby some more? And I specifically wanted to talk to Nick about one of my very favorite Kirby comics and arguably my favorite single comic book issue ever published, OMAC number one from October 1974. And Nick and I have, uh, we've, I think we've mentioned this on the show before, how much we love this particular comic. So here's an opportunity for us to really break down and explain why. So I don't know, Nick, do you want to start things off and give your two cents? Yeah, so um, I think I think as you were getting at Paul, we were sort of thinking like, let's take the two thousand uh, nineteen seventy four comic and let's read one or two issues of that, and then let's frame that against the two thousand and eleven uh, comic right. from the, the new fifty two. Omega number one course, from two thousand from two thousand eleven. Yeah, right, right. So so in that situation, we've got uh, uh, Dan Didio, Keith Giffen. Uh, Scott Koblish, uh, and sort of look at the influences um, in terms of where did they build upon it? What did they, you know, what did they pick up? What did they ignore? Uh, as well as um, what things did they sort of find relevant in the first place? And of course, what's sort of interesting is that both <laughs> both versions of OMAC only ran for eight issues. I think that yeah. that's a little bit interesting. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't think the new Fifty Two was attempting to follow in that in that footstep as well. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it sort of happened. It kind of uh, fell to the you know cutting room floor amidst everything else at that point. So yeah. So I mean, what what let's talk about in, let's talk about Omac as a character and the concept, I guess. So people that maybe aren't familiar with it, and maybe that explains sure. why it only lasted eight issues, especially back in nineteen seventy four. Basically, this is one of the books that Jack Kirby did at DC in the early 70s. comes right after he did his whole New Gods, Fourth World stuff. It's him writing, editing, drawing, Mike Royer on inks for all eight issues, I believe. And the concept is basically a speculative sci-fi version of Captain America, where you have a sort of everyman character. In the case of Omac, it's a character literally named Buddy Blank because he has no defining yes. characteristics. And he's <laughs> given this, he's bequeathed this tremendous amount of power at the behest of like a government type of a government. And he's used as a sort of police protection force or agent. And what makes OMAC interesting to me is that unlike Captain America, Buddy Blank has no control over when he becomes OMAC. It's, it's purely, uh, OMAC is a character that only is given a direction or given uh, volition through this global police agency that's controlling him. 
And it's a very different concept from Captain America, even though they have the same beginning point. Right, exactly. And I think what's sort of... I mean, I, I guess that would be my question for you, is I sort of thought one of the big differences between uh, Kirby and Didio's iterations was that it's almost seemed like, at least in the first two issues of Kirby's iteration, he went from being Buddy Blank to being Omac, and there was no going back at all. Like, he was now permanently Omac. Like, it didn't seem like it was something that would turn on and off. Now, the powers would come and go, but the physical appearance of being Omac and looking like Omac, that seemed to stick for forever from that point on. I mean, am I... Am I wrong in that? Yeah, in that sense. Yes, you are wrong. Not, not to put it that bluntly. <laughs> no, later in Kirby's <laughs> series, I think it's like issue six or seven. There's a moment where the Global Police Agency is using a satellite called Brother Eye to control Omac and to give him these additional powers. And there's a moment where I think it's like I said, issue six or seven, where Buddy Blank, uh, he, Omac turns back into Buddy Blank, and he's like doesn't know what, how he got where he is. He doesn't know what happened when he was Omac. And he's just like terrified. It's like, what, where am I? What is this? And that's something that Didio and Keith Giffen pick up and make a recurring theme in their Omac series. Whereas I think it only happens once okay. in the Kirby series. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's uh, as far as I had gotten in the original iteration of Omac, there isn't um, this sort of back and forth, uh, if, if you will. And... Yeah, so I, I think, if anything, I think one of the more uh, interesting things to sort of kick off this discussion is the the setting in which this, this book takes place, because Kirby has this fascination with dystopia, and it's not quite the modern take on dystopia that we seem to be flooded with these days, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, post-nuclear fallout, and there's a... Yeah, a small surviving population that's fighting over resources um, and dealing with, I don't know, zombies or, or something that's irradiated or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, Kirby is always going for something where humanity is still very like vibrant and well, <laughs> aside from, of course, Kamandi, <laughs> right. but that there's still something inherently flawed or wrong with humanity, and I think in OMAC, it's this idea of a future where, uh, as cliche as it is, technology begins to be utilized for both um, both good and evil. Yeah. And yeah, OMAC is is sort of the the result of that. Um, the original OMAC, Kirby has kind of a fascination with um, satellites and yeah. and the power that satellites can bequeath. Uh, and this kind of resource or power that I think we hadn't really fo- fully understood or utilized the potential of at that time. And so yeah. Kirby kind of turns them into like having the ability to like download information or, or mm-hmm. process information, you know, give OMAC instructions or whatnot. So it's kind yeah. of, he, he's actually got some interesting ideas that weren't totally wrong. Um, well, yeah. about this untapped potential. I think that's that's actually a big thing I want to talk about uh, in terms of OMAC, and particularly this this first issue of OMAC that Kirby did, where it highlights a recurring theme in Kirby's work that I've, found, I've always found fascinating, where Kirby's obviously 
fascinated by technology and scientific advancement. And you can tell a lot of his concepts in his comics came from him reading an article probably in, you know, like uh, Popular Mechanics or Popular Science and saying, oh, I wonder what this concept like cloning or satellites, what's that going to look like in 30, 40, 50 years? And that's where he gets his ideas. And what's interesting is that Kirby takes that and says, in a lot of his work, and I think specifically in OMAC, he says, well, technology has this sort of double-edged sword aspect to it, where I think Kirby believes technology and scientific advancement will save humanity. It's a liberating force mm-hmm. that will like, save humanity. And But on the flip side, there's this always this sort of, not quite pessimistic, but a concern that he has that the process of that salvation through technology will fundamentally change what it means to be human. We might not recognize what humanity is after that salvation through technology. I don't know if Kirby thinks that's a bad thing, but in OMAC, it comes off as a very frightening concept because there's a point very early in the issue where OMAC is... Well, should we talk about where Buddy Blank works? I think that that would be interesting. I think that that's probably where we should take this. So, Buddy Blank, um, uh, Jack Kirby loves uh, hammering things home. Uh, uh, there's there's no arguing the point that you will usually understand, process, and come away with the moral message that Jack Kirby is attempting <laughs> to bequeath you with. Yeah. Um, and that goes all the way to naming his characters from Mr. Miracle's real name being Scott Free <laughs> uh, to Buddy, you know, to Omac's name being Buddy Blank because he's yeah. literally a blank slate upon which Omac is, you know, placed. Yeah. And Buddy Blank's normal job is that he works at a, is it Build a Friend? I think it's Build a Friend. Mm -hmm. He works at a Build a Friend factory, which is where they quite literally make, I don't know, I'm going to get the wrong, the word wrong here, but I believe it would be an animatronics android? Nick, it's a cyborg, you idiot. It's a robot. Who cares? It's, it's, It's lifelike it's things that are machine that look like people. Okay. Right. You yeah. can, you can parse that however, <laughs> however you want. Uh, and so he works at this factory, which is this really jarring place. Cause you've got all these heads and limbs and arms just, mm-hmm. you know, going around on conveyors and racks and whatnot. And you find out that a lot of the interest or need for these things is that people are feeling lonely Mm-hmm. And the evil big bad guy here is more or less using these companionship dolls. Read into that to whatever extent you want, <laughs> because I think Jack Kirby attempts to uh, enable a between the lines reading on that too, uh, right. yeah, and then it's... actually puts detonators, detonators in them uh, to more or less turn them into assassination droids. Yeah. So it's more or less technology preying upon the fact that people are still feeling disassociated from one another, people are still feeling lonely, mm-hmm. uh, and they're filling that void with technology. Right. I mean, so OMAC is, the series is taking place in this sort of speculative future, a near future that Kirby keeps referring to the world that's coming. That's the phrase he uses. And I think he's right. he's using that. In which the common objects of today may become the terrors that we've never bargained for. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so there's a moment very early in the issue where Omak is confronting one of these synthetic, you know, build-a-friends. And the, the, I think it's like page three or four in the issue where 
you have Kirby's wonderful dialogue, and there's a panel box, or there's a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Caption box? Caption box. And caption box, and it says, when the plant is cleared, Omak takes one last look at the tragic product of man. And they have the, the builder friend begging, Omak, please put me together, I'll be your friend. And then Omak says, where does humanity stop and technology begin? We can no longer know. And he says, you and all these other things must be destroyed. So it's like, OMAC is an example of technology applied in a way that's a salvation or a form of rescuing humanity for a positive mm-hmm. end. And the Build-A-Friend is the exact opposite. Yeah, I, I wrote down in my own notes, I said, it's kind of interesting that OMAC falls in, also falls into this category of, you know, the blurred line of technology and humanity. And it's yeah. interesting that he feels that he is the one able to make the distinction between what is to be okay and what is to be, uh, I don't know what you want to say, um, purified or, or yeah. you know, what is, you know, allowed to be destroyed, essentially. Yeah, um, yeah. What is a negative kind force? Of interesting. Well, so, so to pick up the one last thread here, um, this idea that OMAC is this combination of humanity and technology, and where that line is, it's very blurred with OMAC as a character. And I think the way Kirby explains the process by Buddy Blank becoming OMAC and what that means is really terrifying. If you really look at it, the panel in issue one where Buddy Blank is being sort of picked on and he's being kicked out of the Build-A-Friend factory by these thugs, he turns into OMAC, but he's, he doesn't know what's happening. His body just becomes engulfed in flames. And it's really terrifying. Like this, oh, this, yeah. This it's process, a scary panel. It's not like a superhero comic. It's like a horror comic where it's like, you know, like almost like a... Well, it's Car- very body trans- transformation because right. Omak yeah. possibly, I would say, looks more more beast than man in a lot of ways, <laughs> and especially in the in the in the 2011 iteration, they've really gone for him being more of a creature than yeah. um, from from his dialogue to his hunched over look. Uh, you know, that's that's where you know Didio took it. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, you've yeah. you've got this creation process, which is like what what do they call it? It's like remote. Yeah, uh, remote controlled, remote controlled hormone surgery from space mm-hmm. is what happens. <laughs> um, there's never any shortage of imagination. Kirby doesn't let actual science get in the way of his ideas. Which, yeah. come on, um, I, that's great. I mean, that's 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 how this this stuff comes up. So, so I think what's interesting, you hinted at it, and I want to tease it out a bit, where Kirby takes this sort of almost horrific approach to what happens to humanity or a person when, you know, technology or scientific advancement becomes involved. They become something other than human. And Didio and Giffen take that even further by making, like you said, this hulking type monster figure. And their Who version... can't of, talk in complete sentences. <laughs> right. Their version of OMAC is basically the Hulk, which is another Jack Kirby creation. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That's, very, that's a very good way of putting it. He's the Hulk. I agree. I and agree, that, totally. Their eight issue miniseries, instead of what, what Kirby does is with his eight issues, like each issue, Kirby's uh, OMAC is facing like a different sort of modern terror or dilemma. dilemma. You know, there's like a, yeah. one issue where someone's stealing all the water out of the oceans. There's one where a billionaire basically buys a city to assassinate OMAC. It's all these like contemporary issues just tease out to the future a little bit. But in the, the, the Didio and Giffen version, they actually make it like the Incredible Hulk TV show where Omak is just wandering from, uh, not Omak, but his, the Buddy Blank analog 
in that Kevin Coe. Kevin Coe is wandering from city to city and then suddenly turns into OMAC and saves somebody or like there's a problem to solve. So it is like the televised version of the Incredible Hulk from the 70s where he had the exact same process. You know, Bill Bixby's character would go from city to city. He'd get mad. He'd turn the Hulk and save somebody and then go on to the next location. Yeah. And, and I think the relationship between Buddy and Brother I is something that is, in my mind, very different between the two books. And I think that yeah. that is totally worth exploring because in the original OMAC, these powers come from Brother I, which is this satellite that this one professor created. This professor works for like this secret small branch of uh, NASA. <laughs> and, and that's what creates... Um, uh, OMAC. The whole reason OMAC exists is because it's a future where I believe they say all nuclear weapons have been like removed and yeah. large armies are outlawed. And mm-hmm. so OMAC is like the only thing that's actually allowed. And so with Brother I, it's more of a positive relationship with OMAC where I, I mean, they Brother I talks incessantly about how the two of them are brothers. Like, oh, yeah. we are brothers, you and I, and when you need power, I will give it to you. And and Omac's like, yeah, that's that's fine. That that would be good. <laughs> Even though a couple times, you know, brother I either drops the ball or he's like, you know, I have the powers to make you super strong, but I also can't help you save the doctor who, you know, who gave you these powers from getting shot. You know, it's brother i is not maybe the most helpful robot out there he's he's the windows 2000 of of computers and, <laughs> well he's uh, of bro, satellites brother I, bro, yeah brother i is basically i think jack kirby's sort of riff on hal from 2001 which obviously yeah, has yeah. influenced kirby immensely that movie so you can see it in a lot of his work you know in the 70s so it's that sort of cold rational speech and approach to everything that hal had that you see in brother i yeah, and, and, and what's interesting is that when you go look at the 2011 version, Brother I goes from being a suspiciously helpful friend who's maybe not always got your back, maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. to a overtly malicious... He, he, he's, he's the puppet master in, in yeah. 2011's OMAC. The whole first issue is him taking control of... Of Omac and basically um, having him rampage through the the Cadmus laboratory where Kevin mm-hmm. co works and smashing the whole place because he's trying to link up to the Cadmus uh, servers mainframe whatever insert computer jargon you know hoping yeah. Mike Rappin doesn't listen and goes I believe that would be a mainframe <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Um, that's Mike Rappin for our listeners who aren't aware that's that is genuinely what he sounds like um, but I think that that's really really interesting that it's a it's a very different relationship and, and brother I is the one who's got the agenda uh, there because of course he's being do I have this right He's not being controlled by Maxwell Lord. He's he's the one going head to head with Maxwell, right, Lord, Maxwell Lord, which yeah. is someone I admit I don't know much about, other than <laughs> what uh, Wonder Wonder Woman killed him at one point. Right. Yeah, that would have been an That's infinite, all infinite crisis. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, Maxwell Lord was a character that uh, was involved deeply in the '80s Justice League International series. He was like that sort of. Uh, a businessman who brought the Justice League International together, but turned out to be a bad guy, and he has psychic powers. 
So hmm. um, that's okay. a dis- discussion for another mini. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> he becomes a much more prevalent thing as as the eleven OMAC goes on. Yeah, but, and, and I, I do like that the two thousand eleven OMAC. You know, they they take it and they they keep the core of the character the same, but they kind of tease out these different themes, like I said, of it being more like a monster, the sort of Hulk-like figure. And they're able to incorporate other Jack Kirby stuff, like the Cadmus Project, the DNA Project. The first issue... I was going to ask, is like Checkmate? Is Checkmate a Kirby thing? No, no, not that I know of. I think that's like a later, late 90s, early 2000s concept. But the Cadmus is the, the, basically comes from the DNA Project, which was scientists from Apocalypse on Earth trying to clone people. That's some deep uh, Kirby Fourth World stuff that gets referenced in OMAC. So uh, OMAC is an incredibly strange comic. I think that's something that is, it hasn't been clear yet. We should probably put it out there. It's an incredibly strange comic, even for Kirby. And I think one of the reasons that the you have the version of 1974, and it kind of disappears for a while before it's really going back and recognized as for what it is and being revamped in 2011 is because Kirby's creativity almost overwhelms the book. Every single page, he's introducing a new concept, a new character, and most of them don't ever quite get fully fleshed out or revisited. It's almost like <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. sensory overload. I mean, obviously with Kirby, the artwork is sensory over- overload. The dialogue is over the top, but it's almost like the book itself is too imaginative and vibrant for its own good. Yeah, it definitely has that Kirby dialogue, um, which I I think I wrote down here is um, my 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 take on Kirby dialogue is that it's uh, overtly declarative. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of exclamation uh, points. A lot of if exclamation you, if, points. <laughs> if you weren't certain who is Omac in this book, don't worry. Omac will tell you multiple times, "I am Omac," uh, a lot. Uh, and my favorite part is when, like, whatever, like, ground-level thugs are fighting Omac, they're like, he is like a one-man uh, fighting machine. Uh, or, like, you know, he is a one-man army corps. And it's like, okay, like, we get it. <laughs> I do love the yeah, other. I think it's uh, later, toward the end of the first issue, they literally have a panel where there's someone saying, numbers can't stop him. He's a one-man army. And Omac says, it's the other name for Omac. Like, he's acknowledging, like, that's Yeah, it's the other... <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I every time that like they're either like he's Omac or uh or I I mean even even in one issue, yeah, like they even like one thug will say the exact same thing that like the mm. the, the thug in the last issue had. Um <laughs> but uh I think that this dialogue uh works really, really well. Um, because it, it sort of helps in certain situations where, uh, I think one of Kirby's weaker points is that sometimes his faces tend to be the same. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, when you have this declarative dialogue, I think it sort of aids the the confusion that could happen there. But, uh, God, this, this, this book is so, so fucking weird. Um, <laughs> but it's so interesting in other ways. Like, Buddy Blank is, is having a tough day at work in, 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 in the Kirby version. And so he's told that he needs to basically, you know, get a hold of himself. And so they send him off to the, uh, la- the psychology section of, mm-hmm. the, of the facility. Um, and there are different rooms there, depending upon how you um, 
cope, <laughs> how you cope with stress. Uh, so there's one room that's like, you know, uh, the crying room. Uh, and I can't remember what the other, there might be like a screaming room, but then of course the, the better known there's one is like the destruct room, the destruct room yeah. where, uh, he goes in and he's, you know, tearing, tearing pages out of a, out of a phone book and smashing things. And then his, his buddy is like, you know what makes me feel really good? It's when I take one of these build a friends that's like on the mounting rack and I kick it. You know, <laughs> kick it in the ass, and 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 Buddy Blank is like, well, you know, that's that's kind of where I draw the line because they're too much like people. And then the other guy's yeah. like, what do you mean they're too much like people? <laughs> so it's it's and, a weird book, but again, there's something oddly interesting about this whole like the the book's emphasis on like the productivity of the worker, like above and beyond anything else to the point where they've got like these psychiatric uh, uh assistance this assistance like on yeah. site you know what i mean like the productivity like of getting this person back to work above and beyond anything else is mm-hmm. it's kind of frightening when you stop and think about it because yeah. it's it, it, there's a lot of modern uh issues that i find in that i think modern day definitely has a lot of that where it's like we will do whatever it takes to get you back on the line and working like now yeah um there's something frighteningly resonant with that definitely and i think that's one of the things i that keeps me coming back to kirby's omac as much as i I mean 70s kirby at dc is my some of my favorite stuff ever but this series in particular i always come back to and specifically this first issue because it it really focuses on this very modern theme of alienation and loneliness and it's related to productivity and it's this fact that like you know jobs become more mechanized and dehumanizing and this is the result of that and Kirby actually I don't think he comes out and says that it's bad or scary he just pointing pointing it out you know there's this yeah. there's this one panel right after all that stuff about him going in the destruct room and kicking the pseudo p- person down the rail you see right. a panel and it's Buddy Blank sort of walking past the room. And in the room, in the background, you see someone just burning a car. There's like just a car in a room and oh, someone's yeah. setting it on fire. And Buddy Blank says, bah, I don't even feel like burning cars. It's like, I'm not yeah, angry yeah. at anybody. I'm just depressed. And it's like this incredibly sort of modern uh, ennui that Buddy Blank's expressing. And then he becomes a superhero, but against his own will. So not even becoming right. a superhero can liberate him in a way. Exactly. Yeah, totally. I I just have to say I I think probably one of my favorite lines is when he uh when he blasts into the place and he says, "I'm being fed strength and knowledge by some unknown source. My job is to stop your illegal activity." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's just telling the facts like they are. Um Exactly, exactly. But I I think you're totally right. I think even when you look at the next issue of this book where it has to deal with um, this bad guy that's literally able to rent a city and he has enough money where he can buy a city for the full day or or the full weekend I don't remember which and it's kind of this frightening look at um, you know that issue is sort of like what what does like perpetual you know infinite wealth you know mm-hmm. mean you know what can you do with that what does that buy you uh it, I, I think these are some really interesting themes that if people look at maybe Omak's costume or some of the goofier dialogue or some mm-hmm. of the weirder sequences where he's 
hanging out with these guys going to a costume costume party and you're yeah. like what what is this about <laughs> there's there's some jarring stuff underneath and i guess my question for you would then be how well do you think didio and giffen captured this <laughs> did they capture this were they not interested at all i mean the first thing i would say is giffen does a pretty good kirby impersonation it's definitely a step away from what giffen does it's not a it's yeah. not like a 180 shift i mean <laughs> if you were to take someone's natural pencils and say who looks like kirby already yeah giffen already it, sort of looks like kirby yeah i mean giffen's work always has a sort of always has a kirby influence you can see it and he's just he's amplifying or amplifying it for the series obviously but I think Didio and Giffen are obviously deep, deep Kirby fans, and they they really nail that sense of alienation and loneliness that Kirby has in the Omac stories. Where, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, uh, Kevin Coe is a character that can't control when he's Omac and he's not, and it's causing him personal problems in his in his life. Um, he's losing friends and relationships because of it, and that is that sort of alienation of through technology that I think Kirby's hinting at in the original. So they stay true to that, but it doesn't quite have the same sort of horrific undertone that a lot of uh, Kirby's OMAC has, this sort of very troubling sense of this is what technology can lead to because it's written in 2011 when technology has pervaded all of our lives, you know, and Brother Eye is communicating to OMAC through computers and cell phones and all this technology we already have around us. It's not purely mm-hmm. a satellite anymore. Which is troubling, but I don't think Didio and Giffen really... It, it might sound strange because we're talking about Kirby. They're not as nuanced as Kirby is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as strange as it is no, to I say. No, I agree. You know, Kirby's OMAC is an incredibly complex and nuanced concept and character on top of it having all of this sort of over-the-top crazy action and dialogue. It's a weird dichotomy, and that's, I think, why it stands out for me among Kirby's work. Yeah, and, and Didio and Giffen's title feels more like he's more of a brute, a, a basher, and a smasher. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right, it's sort of like the Hulk, because Kevin Coe wakes up and goes, wow, that was a weird bender, you know, what 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 the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah. um, but I think maybe they're too busy trying to capture sort of the look, the feel, the mannerisms of Kirby without really getting at the soul, if that's not to be trite about it but Mm -hmm. i feel like they kind of they got the more overt mechanisms and missed the the essence because yeah their their brother i is more of a surveillance state right but he's also got this more overt antagonism to hit antagonism to it which i think is something we're more accustomed to as readers these days with with Terminator and other things where technology equals bad and technology, you know, wants to kill you desperately. Whereas, yeah, I, I think Kirby's is more like more like Hal, where you're left wondering, what is this thing's true intent? Like, is it is it meant right. to do anything other than help me? And will it ever develop some sort of interest or objective or something beyond helping me? And, mm-hmm. and what will that be? And so there's kind of this disconcerting element of like do you really have my back basically right uh, yeah. which which i think i think didio's version is more about like transformation just this transformation you know even that book uses this sort of like omactivate thing where it's this right this discernible moment where he he turns into omac and mm-hmm. um yeah 
Uh, I, I I think both are good for different reasons, but yes. I do think they sort of missed some of the jarring elements that Kirby had going for him. Right, and I think the reason OMAC for people that are deep into Kirby or are approaching it, his work, it always stands out because it is so strange, and it doesn't have that sort of heroic you know, mythological element to it that the new gods have, or even the fantastic four kind of have his other, you know, major works. Omac mm-hmm. is a weird, weird book. And it's, it's troubling. And the ideas it raises in me as a reader are uncomfortable. And I kind of like that. It's challenging in that way. And I like that it's a book that I, I've read that first issue a dozen times. And every time I notice another little nuance or detail, that I didn't see before, and it completely changes the way I think about the character. And I think that speaks to its its a brilliance as a single issue and as a concept. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally feel that this book doesn't, and I know this is saying something considering what we've discussed and what we've read regarding OMAC, but I feel like this doesn't spiral um, quite out of control in the way that, say, uh, Kamandi did. And of course... Um, when you're only given eight issues to spiral out of control as opposed to 20-odd or 30-odd, maybe maybe that would have been the natural. Maybe that's where OMAC would have eventually uh, settled anyway. But yeah. um, I think I always see Kamandi as more of a Planet of the Apes analog, basically. Of course. Whereas yeah. OMAC doesn't seem to have a real... Um, obviously as you said captain america and other things kind of hit on certain elements but it doesn't seem to have a clear analog in the same way that Kamandi is like okay like a singular human amongst anthrop you know anthropomorphic um animals Mm -hmm. um so yeah yeah so nick do you know this i don't know if it's when kirby was still writing Kamandi or after he left because it ran a few issues after he left but right. it was established later in the Commandy series that Omac is Commandy's like great grandfather. What so the series are connected? So like Buddy Buddy Blank yeah. would be his great. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so I don't Interesting. know how I don't know if that's still canon or if that's actually something Kirby created. I think that came after he left the book. But they've tied mm. those two series together, and what they're I think they're interesting because they are. I mean, the New God stands alone as a sort of complete work of mythology, but Kamandi and Omak are books that I think stand uniquely apart from the rest of Kirby's work in a weird way. And that might be a different topic for a different episode to really parse out, but... Yeah. Uh, well, I, I do feel like these were works that were largely unedited uh, or filtered, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which wouldn't really be the case for um, a good amount of, of Kirby's career, certainly, mm-hmm. um, like at Marvel. Like, they never let him right. do anything. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Marvel never really let him, you know, this loose. That was the whole reason DC got him from Marvel is because they told him they were going to let him do this, right? That's yeah, the well, whole... When he goes back, when he goes back to Marvel in the late 70s, they give him Captain America and Falcon and let him kind of do whatever he wants with that book. And that leads to some very strange Captain America comics. But yeah, but that's why he left in the late sixties. So there's a whole world there to explore as well. So I think maybe in conclusion, since you know this is a mini episode, I just want to say that you know I've always held that the first issue of OMAC is I think one of the most perfect single issues ever created, and because it is this sort of amazing amalgamation of Kirby's 
over-the-top sensibilities in terms of ideas and visuals, but it's undercut or you know put together with this concern about the future and these larger concepts of what it means to be human, all in the span of 20 pages. It's a pretty remarkable book if you really sort of sit down and appreciate it and let yourself brain absorb it. Totally. I, I, I completely agree. It's for a book that's as old as it is, and obviously there are comics that are quite a bit older than it, <laughs> right? but the ideas still seem to resonate and be relevant. Um, and yet this, was, this wasn't this was some like indie zine or something like that, yeah. you know, something like this was, this was a mainstream big two industry book that was allowed to get at some interesting issues without being super 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 preachy obviously right. there are parts of it that feel a little heavy-handed but that's mainly omac reminding you that he is in fact omac and that omac <laughs> does stand for one man army corps um <laughs> if there's if there's anything you come away from this book with it really should be that because honest to god uh, <laughs> your otherwise your short-term memory uh needs to probably be checked 